thanks Yoli and team hello everybody so so much to uh, to say today and um, and not a lot of time <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna do my very best to carve uh, a 20 minute sermon up into maybe a little bit less than 20 minutes uh, and if you you need to go uh, at any at any point of course um, you're free and and uh, and we understand um, all of that to say we'll, we'll, we'll do our very best to keep this to to the hour that we advertise it to be it's been hard, it's been a hard week and and I've spent a lot of time struggling for words a lot of time on the phone having conversations uh sensitive uh important conversations and and sending those kind of texts and 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 sending those kind of emails as well and um you know as i as i was trying to collect my thoughts we've been away as graham said on conference this week so it's been all sorts of stuff going on um, as well as you know this, these horrible uh, events. One of them was on the Gold Coast where we were staying, where this man just did the opposite of loving his family. And um, and then of course losing a friend. And uh, and really, you know, grappling with what that means for for his. For his wife and and four kids uh so sitting down and going well <laughs> what can be said right like words fail words fail so often and uh and uh, and i'm in the middle of that last night uh, i get a, a text message from a friend that we were in community with in in canada who who runs a, a food program for homeless people in the downtown east side, which is a really poor, one of the poorest neighbourhoods in in North America. And um, and he was just reaching out to me. He, he's a, not a Canadian, he's a Geordie. I don't know if anyone knows what that means. Uh, I saw James. Uh, that's as far north in England as you can go. And the further north you get in England, the crazier people get. Uh, I say that as someone who's, who's got some Manchunian heritage, but I think Geordies make uh, Manchunians look positively civilised. Uh, but the thing is, the, co the connection there is Canadians are just so polite all the time. And the dark side of being polite in front of people's faces is all the stuff you're really thinking has got to come out somewhere else and so I think they're polite to your face and then just they can be really mean as well whereas uh, Geordies and Australians we mix it together from the start and so he loved the fact that there was someone else living in the community who uh, could insult him and could take an insult uh, as a greeting uh, and we would scandalize the Canadians by um, by just basically you know insulting each other uh, did you sleep in a dumpster last night? Uh, that kind of stuff. And anyway, 
I, I think, you know, it was just a relationship where he's like, I don't know how to handle Canadians when something's going on in my life. So he texted me and I, I could just tell the hits were going to keep coming this week and, and he, he let me know that uh, his brother-in-law, um, father of three, again, school-aged children, had been found um, dead in a park yesterday morning, uh, an apparent drug overdose. And, and he said, you know, we just... His, his wife's heartbroken because you can imagine someone who overdoses um, on fentanyl probably doesn't have easy relationships with family. He said, we just, we just had to trust that Jesus was loving him even in those last moments. And by a st- really strange... Uh, set of occurrences. I, I got another message at the same time from from an atheist that that I that I'm, I know who has some insight into what my week's been like. And, and I, I I think there's some you know I don't want to slate him. Well, it'll sound it'll sound harsh, but I think you know we're all we've all got different visions of the good life, right? We've all got. I think most people are trying to trying to work things out and trying to do the right thing but anyway his message to me was how can you believe in a loving god given the week that you've had given what's going on in your life knowing uh you know knowing that a good man like craig with so much ahead of him could meet uh the end that he's met and you know, on my dark days, I kind of agree <laughs> with, with the atheist. I, 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 um, I'm with my friend in Canada who trusts that Jesus with, with, was with his brother-in-law in his last moments. But there's also just so, so much that's so hard to make sense of, right? A loving God and... The things that happen in our lives happen. Apparently, so, so unjust, so, so random, senseless. And so I get it when my friend says, what you believe is absurd. <laughs> what you believe is absurd. You believe in a loving God. Look at the world around you, even the ones that God would seem to love most. It seems absurd. One of the things uh, that I've noticed as I've really grappled with Christianity, uh, as someone who studied the history of it and, and teaches theology, is Christianity hits these things, the absurdities, the challenges to faith. And, um, and, and what often happens, and I don't have much time to go into it, what often happens, I, there's a saying, famous saying by Sherlock Holmes, something along the lines of, once you've eliminated the impossible, uh, the evidence left, no matter how improbable, points you to the truth. Has anyone heard a saying kind of like that? Like, Christianity's done these things. Uh, the first that comes to mind, there was a big argument, second, third century, about who Jesus was. Was he, 
just a really special blessed human or was he God who sort of manifested as a human? And there were people on both sides of that argument. And both of them kind of made sense to a degree, except that as they nodded it out, they realized, I can't really, if you want to talk about this nerdy stuff, uh, we'll, we'll have a coffee. But they worked out that neither of those scenarios was capable to account for how Jesus could save us. Mm. And so they arrived at an improbable, apparent absurdity that Jesus was someone unlike anyone else in that he had the nature of God and the nature of humanity. And um, there's a few things like that, that are core Christian ideas, where it's like, that sounds absurd, but the alternative can't be possible for one reason or another. And so I want to take us this morning to a passage of Jesus' teaching that has something of this quality, I believe, is apparently absurd. At least it has been for me as I've grappled with it uh, and um, you can see it on the screen there it's what's known as the Beatitudes and uh, as Jesus's ministry began to take off he it says in the Gospel of Matthew was preaching the kingdom of God and repentance for the kingdom of God and he uh, is involved in some miraculous stuff and the crowds are starting to follow him and the very first moment where we get to really encounter Jesus' teaching begins like this. It says at the beginning of the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus saw the crowds and then he went up on a mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Uh, the language sort of points to the fact that whilst he had these crowds now attentive to him, that he was speaking in this moment to his disciples. Uh, the crowds may have been somewhere in proximity, but this is a message that might sound different to an inside group, might not make as much sense to those who aren't already following him, already on his way. And um, here's that passage, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Blessed are those, this is what Jesus is telling his disciples, who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if you've grappled or struggled with this text like I have. Because it's a difficult one. I was thinking about the people who grapple the most with it and how they end up being really challenging people. Uh, I was seeing Dr. Paul Tyson over there, one of his mentors. Some of you will know is a man called Dave Andrews. And he's spent a lot of his life thinking about uh, these Beatitudes. And he is a really far out guy in lots of ways. 
he lives the challenge of it in a way that is challenging to me, right? It, to take these words seriously takes you somewhere that I think it's hard for many of us to, to go. There's some confusion or complication that I want to just bring us into. And um, for some reason, Daisy, could you? Um, thank you. About what this word blessed means that I want to just take a moment on. Um, I don't know if when you say this passage, you say blessed. <laughs> Does anyone say blessed? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Part of what some people have said is a bit wrong with that translation is there's something kind of a bit too spiritual almost about being blessed. Like, what does that mean? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Like, and that's not really where people live. And so some people have said, actually, a better word is happy because the word in this passage, a Greek word, makarios, um, it's like a this world now word. It's, a, it's something that people in the world really go through. It's not something that only people who are spiritually ascendant experience. It's not abstract. It's not overly spiritual. It's a real world thing. The problem with the word happy though is it's maybe a bit more emotional than the word makarios because you can be happy one moment and sad the next, right? So some people have suggested maybe fortunate is a good translation, but then that has a kind of like a lucky kind of thing going on which doesn't quite seem to fit oh yeah you're you're really lucky you're really fortunate it means that you are in an enviable position you're where you're supposed to be uh, the probably the the most well sort of respected across christian denominations uh, commentary on the book of matthews by a guy called rt france an anglican and he writes in this very academic uh, commentary, actually as an Australian, the best way that I can render it, though this won't make any sense to 98% of my readers is, good on you. So he says like, good on you in the sense, oh, you finally put the in-ground pool in, good on you. You're living the good life. Or you got the promotion, good on you. Or Cherie, you're finally making an honest man out of Stephen, good on you. That kind of thing. So it's like, life is... I think that did happen quite a while. That happened in the appropriate order. <laughs> Good on you guys. Uh, even did it the right way. So it's like where you should be, how it should be. You know, that doesn't clear it up for me at all, this passage. Like, uh, good on you <laughs> if you're poor in spirit, for you will uh, inherit the kingdom of heaven it's still, it's still really challenging. It's still really difficult and, and perhaps seems absurd. I think like some of the things I've mentioned, like, like the, the nature of Christ, there is something paradoxical about what is going on in this passage. And a paradox is a seemingly absurd or contradictory statement or proposition which when investigated may prove to be well-founded or true. Like those other sort of mysteries of the Christian faith, as Sherlock Holmes would maybe point us to, it's, it's like when you've eliminated the other options, only the truth is left, no matter how challenging that is. And I thought it would be an interesting little exercise 
applying that kind of logic to the Beatitudes to translate them as an alternative, the anti-Beatitudes, as it were. And uh, you'll notice some of the language is a little different. I've, I've sort of tried to render the Greek um, in a way that I won't have time to go into, but I think you'll follow. This is the anti-Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are self-reliant, for they will have what they want. Blessed, happy, good on you, for those who are self-satisfied, for they will have comfort. Blessed are the arrogant and oppressive, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after their own advantage, for they will be filled. Blessed, happy are the merciless, for they will have no need of mercy. Blessed are the impure in heart, for they will truly see reality. Blessed are the warmongers, for they will be victorious over their enemies. Blessed are those who defeat any who come against them, for they will have what they want. As challenging as the Beatitudes are, I don't know what that sounds like to you, the anti-Beatitudes. To me, it sounds like hell. And confrontingly, a lot like some of what we've been through this week. I don't know about you, but I choose an apparently absurd hope over hell every day of the week. I would choose to hope in a loving God who I can't always make sense of rather than that hell. If God's kingdom calls me to walk in this difficult and mysterious way as outlined in the Beatitudes, give me that over the alternative every single time. I'd choose a servant king who went to Calvary to suffer and die for the world over the world that I see there any day. I'm skipping past the Anzacs, um, but we have honoured them. Actually, I'll, I'll just I'll make a note. I, I think this resonates, right? Even with those who, who, who find Jesus too challenging, who find the hope of a loving God too absurd, I, I think it resonates. I think that's one of the reasons why Anzac Day has become as hallowed as it is. Because in our bones, whether we acknowledge God or not, we recognise that freedom doesn't come for free. We recognise that that sacrifice can, can be an expression of love. We recognise the need sometimes for it. And this is the key, I believe, to the kingdom of God. I mentioned that this be section of, of, of Matthew, the Beatitudes, is sometimes called 
the handbook for living in the kingdom of God. Jesus goes on to tell a bunch of parables that explain how the Beatitudes work. And it's like he's saying, this is my manifesto. If you want to follow me, he knows he's going to the cross. This is what your life will look like. A life of love written large through self-sacrifice. So that when you follow in that way, you may find yourself poor in spirit. You may find yourself mourning. You will inevitably have to get a handle on whether you're going to be meek or you're going to be arrogant and oppressive. To walk in the way of the kingdom to walk the path to the cross behind a king who is glorified and enthroned in his crucifixion may look like a life of challenge, a life that seems absurd. The blessing of it, the happiness of it, the good onioness of it, absurd in the eyes of the crowd around. Just after the Beatitudes, and I am bringing us up towards the end, uh, Matthew says this, that Jesus goes on to say, You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Sometimes shining that light, I would maybe even venture to say most of the time, reflecting that light will seem absurd to people around you. But that is the life that Jesus calls us to. I was thinking of an example in our shared experience recently. Um, and, and I was thinking about the um, Abdullah family uh, who, who were just recently in court at the sentencing of the drunk driver who rode up onto the footpath in his four-wheel drive and mowed down three of their six children. Anthony, 13, Angelina, 12, Sienna, 8, and yeah, you're right, Jenny, their cousin, Veronique. And uh, the very day that it happened, journalists got to the parents of these children who were stolen. And uh, their mother, uh, they're a Christian family, you can, you can see uh, they're, they're in church there. She says, I, I know the guy was drunk as he was driving on the street. This is within hours. Right now I can't hate him. I don't want to see him just yet, but I don't hate him. 
I think in my heart to forgive him. I want the court to be fair. It needs to be fair, but I'm not going to hate him because that's not who we are. They, uh, as a couple, have, have started an initiative to get Australians thinking about forgiveness. I remember watching the, the comments unfold uh, on social media as this happened and, uh, and people just couldn't get it, right? String him up, th- lock him up and throw away the key. These people absurdly chose hope. They chose mercy. They chose to live as subjects of the kingdom of love. I'm going to get the, the band up and we're going to have communion. Hopefully you've all uh, got um, a cup. If you don't, um, I'm sure Jenny could help you out if you put your hand up. talking to to Julie last night and uh, she's choosing the kingdom way she's continuing to hope she continues to trust the character of God as loving. That's a challenge to me. I can only hope that I could do that in her place. But as I look at the stark alternative, the anti-Beatitudes, hell, give me hope over hell give me hope over hell any day hey eat and drink in your time I'm going to pray Lord thank you for your body broken thank you for the cross thank you for the way this meal shared brings our attention to your kingdom and the pinnacle of it in your death the way you loved us thank you for the mystery that you invite us into where we participate in your death Lord bring on the resurrection we pray let me pray uh, this over you blessed, happy, fortunate. Good on you when you're poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you when you're wretched, for you will be comforted as it should be in the world when you're meek and you will inherit the earth blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for justice 
for God's salvation, for you will be filled. Blessed are you when you are merciful. You have received mercy. You have received mercy. Blessed are you when you earnestly seek after God with a pure heart because you will see him. When you make peace at expense to yourself, even forgiving your enemies, going after them, trying to sort it out, people will say, you're like the God who you serve, you're doing what he does, it's as though he's your father, you're of his kind, because he is all about making peace. You live this way, there's a chance, a likelihood even, that people aren't going to understand. But... Yours will be the kingdom. Bless you.